You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Scott, I have a pitch for a thrilling survival movie. Ooh, hit me. We follow the titular Dante as he reckons with lava and sulfur as he navigates the nine circles of hell, guided by the poet Virgil. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's Dante's Inferno. Well, what if we just keep the lava and sulfur? I have some notes. Welcome everyone to I Have Some Notes, the show where we give sound advice and prescient insights that could save the very foundations of a movie, but damned if anyone will listen. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. And today we are discussing the 1997 disaster classic, Dante's Peak. And uh, we will get into our discussion of the film uh, and the notes in the second half. Uh, Just a quick programming note uh, for all of our loyal listeners. Yeah, we. this is going to be, un- unfortunately, the last of the weekly episodes. We're going to return to uh, to bi-weekly episodes. Um, it's been a lot of fun, but also um, exhausting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And S- Scott, I, j- I don't know how you do uh, weekly episodes well, for the uh, read-along. On the read-along, we only have half-hour episodes, so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're reading books, which you can read at any time. It's true. You don't have to sit in one sitting and just and just your attention be focused for two and a half hours or whatever it is. Yeah, and uh, Nita and I don't have read parties where we both read the chapter at the same time. So that, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be so involved. cute. <laughs> but then we need two <laughs> copies lamp. of the book. <laughs> one book, two people, one heart. Oh. Aww. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, quarantine podcasting has been an absolute delight. I definitely have a valued. Um, uh, as we sort of said on one of the, the side notes we did about our time in quarantine, I valued uh, uh, having this sort of creative outlet with all y'all, especially because I'm a comedian and uh, no gatherings or laughing for anyone uh, for quite the next time, uh, next yeah. while. So now, but yeah, I think it's time to. I think it's a fair question that people are going to ask if uh, things go back into lockdown because the second wave hits. Uh, will we be going back to weekly episodes? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> I mean, technically, bi-weekly is correct to say for both things that are every two weeks and things that are twice a week. So maybe we just yeah. maintain bi-weekly and we do two a week. Um, and another follow-up question that surely some of our listeners would likely ask, will we continue to have watch parties, even though we're moving back to uh, two per month? Ooh, that's a good question. I think so. I, I actually quite like doing the watch party. I, and I think it also sets up you know, the movie, like recording, watching the movie the night before we record, I think is quite useful mm-hmm. um, because it, uh, it allows it allows our audience to be up to date on the movie that we're doing. Uh, whereas previously we had been um, kind of a, a week behind, a week ahead of the audience, you know, telling them to submit their notes. So I think this is this works out a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when they submit their notes, you know, on like a Thursday or a Friday, they know on on Monday, hey, if I tune into the episode, I'm gonna hear I'm gonna hear my thoughts picked apart by three idiots. Yep, that's <laughs> the way we do it. It's business as usual. Uh, and uh, speaking of business, let's get into the grisly business of discussing Dante's Peak, directed by Roger Donaldson uh, of Cocktail and Species fame. 
uh, and starring, of course, Pierce Brosnan and Linda Hamilton. Yeah, power duo. Yeah, uh, Roger Donaldson's got a got a real. That's a real eclectic collection of films, like Species, Cocktail, and Dante's Peak. He's kind of run the gamut on on genres. You know, but I kind of respect that. Like, uh, stretch your stretch your arms. Don't let yourself yeah. be pigeonholed as one kind of director. Yeah, a real journeyman yeah. director. Had had you uh, haven't you guys seen this movie before you watched it? Oh yeah, I I believe I remember seeing this movie in theaters. When it first I don't came out. remember if I had seen it in theaters or not, but I know I haven't seen it since the '90s. Oh yeah, it's definitely yeah. been a while. I think I've seen bits and pieces of it on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, every it seems like then. a classic TV movie. This is a <laughs> classic Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it did not do very well in, at the box office, and I'm and I'm fairly certain that. <laughs> That it probably went to TV very quickly to try and recoup its costs. I don't know why it didn't do particularly well at the box office. Because we, even watching the movie last night, we were all like, this movie's not that bad. And it kind of holds up. And I'm curious what it was up against when it came out, that it kind of uh, (laughs) never really took off. (laughs) It was up against every other movie. No, so well, before before I say what I was going to say, to to answer to Volcano, I did look it up. There was that race of movies in 1997, uh, the two Volcano movies one year, and the people who made Dante's Peak deliberately expedited the process, got it out three months before Volcano, and even though it was, this was like a bit of a a bust, it did better than Volcano, and beat Volcano uh, handily. There you go. So... Uh, but I was going to say, when, when you asked what is it up against, uh, I would uh, suggest you just look at the other movies that came out in 1997. It's a great year for movies. <laughs> Some of the best movies of of all time, my childhood, genre definers. Like, it's, it, yeah, 97 was just, a wild just year. Just for a taste, Titanic, Goodwill Hunting, Face Off, Men in Black, uh, The Fifth Element. <laughs> L.A. Confidential, Austin Powers, yeah, you're. So uh, I can see how just like vo- volcano, <laughs> volcano adventure, probably pretty low. Uh, just just like any other year, might have got a little more attention, but like, I do think it's m- funny that that Hollywood was racing to to put their volcano movie out first, and they <laughs> and they both kind of flopped. Yeah, they but they they just thought like ah the the audiences are ready for a volcano disaster movie. Nope. Well, it's like the same year that Deep Impact and Armageddon came out, right? Where it's just mm-hmm. like, why why does Hollywood seem to schedule two identical projects to come out in the same year all the time? It's probably some circle jerky like Hollywood thing where like one stu- studio hears they're doing it's like they're they're making a volcano picture. We gotta make a volcano picture. Get me get me my vol- disaster guy, and then <laughs> I want five volcano scripts on my desk by five o'clock. I can actually hear you chomping on your cigar while you say that. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of I kind of wonder if it's maybe more just coincidence like it makes it like because it's so high profile it makes it seem like it happens often but I, I you know really I can only think of two times that it's happened before and uh, I kind of it's probably it's probably just an accident but yeah very uh, a happy accident it was pretty a pretty entertaining film let's uh, go to the trailer and uh, let it speak for itself it turns day into night air into fire nothing in the world can compare to its power the most awesome sight you will ever see may be your last 
in the town of Dante's Peak, a volcano is turning nature into a nightmare. Come on! Pierce Brosnan, Linda Hamilton. Oh my God. The pressure is building. Harry Dalton is a handsome volcanologist whose life goes up in a pyroclastic cloud when his girlfriend dies at the hands of a Colombian volcano. Four years later, Harry's life is a mess. He works for the United States Geological Survey, lives in a beautifully quaint little town, and has lots and lots of friends. But he hasn't had a date in a while, and that's real trauma. Meantime, two skinny-dipping teens boil alive in a hot spring. When Harry investigates, it becomes clear that Dante's peak is about to blow. The city council refuses to listen to his scientific expertise and selfishly decides against putting the community on alert so that they can make money. Predictably, disaster strikes and people die needlessly because they are uninformed and unprepared. Holy crap, was this movie written today? I think we said that a few times in the in the watch party. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, this was too close to home. This yep. <laughs> Scott was uh, specifically made mention of 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 the the fact that like conservative politics never seems to change. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like early in the movie. There's this uh, conservative member of city council who's like, "Well, we can't we can't risk a volcano alert because then it'll scare away the big businessman who wants to come and set up his big business in town." And everyone on council is just like, mm, "Oh yeah, that's a very good point." Mm-hmm, yeah, and uh, then the like lead volcano guy paul is like yeah well we get like politics are important harry you need to think about the politics of the situation you don't want to upset the politics of the situation and then sure enough the volcano explodes and everyone dies and uh or or at least or at least (laughs) certainly the the evil ceo and the conservative blowhard on council die uh and i'm gonna i'm gonna maybe regret asking this because i'm i'm a like i wore my politics on my sleeve i'm about as left as they come but did he actually did they cite him as some sort of conservative or are we maybe projecting a little oh we're like we are a greedy asshole okay there is a greedy asshole on city council who is very concerned that the money will dry up should there be an alarm and yeah no we are we are a hundred percent projecting but uh the the fact remains could be a neoliberal you know what i mean like they let you know but the fact remains that that's that's modern politics in a nutshell and and in the midst of this global pandemic that we're in right now like this this is exactly what's happening right now is there are (laughs) there are scientists who are going the danger is real we need people to be you know concerned and prepared and politicians going whoa 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 but what about the money and (laughs) and that's just where we are and so it's nice to see that in 1997 things were exactly the same yeah this was this was as much of a fantasy as uh, the Fifth Element. Uh, <laughs> but then we found yeah, in some out. ways, in some ways, watching these movies, uh, it, it, it when it hits home like this, it's it's not quite as fun as it feels like it should be. You know, like yeah. Yeah. like you, like <laughs> the villains are too they're too real. They need to be they need to uh, they need to be more cartoonish. Uh, the character I found that was like a little too close to home was the very stubborn old person who puts everyone in jeopardy because they refuse to acknowledge that there might be a scenario where they live in danger. Yep. 
They've they've yeah. spent not their all of their eighty years living absurdly comfortably, and just the very notion that something might be up is is so incomprehensible to them that everyone's lives become in danger. Yep, uh, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, no this this movie is weirdly prescient in a way that uh, I don't think any of us were expecting when we actually picked it to be our movie this week. Um, just to be watching it and all of us be like, it. ooh, oh, oh dear, like. <laughs> I also wasn't uh, expecting it, expecting it to be as good as it was. Just to switch gears a little bit, like I I quite enjoyed it, yeah, and it was uh, tight. and and, and the, I I was having a blast with the special effects. Um, mm-hmm. Like the the budget for this movie was 116 million, and it's all up on the screen because it looks great. Yeah, there was one effect in the entire movie where I was like, that looks fake. And it was just like some CGI clouds or some, or some poorly animated clouds at one point coming out of the mountain. And that was the lightning. And that was just one scene though. Like all the other times Mm -hmm. it looked great. And like this movie is before the proliferation of CGI, uh, Mm -hmm. which is not to say that there might not be some CGI in the movie, but like if this movie were made today, Almost everything would be CGI, and it would look very fake, and it would date it. Like, next year, it wouldn't look as good. But this movie holds up because it uses a lot of practical effects, and it, like, you can can tell that they, you know, hired stunt people and crashed a real helicopter and, like, used miniatures, and it tells. Like, it's it's well put together, and the special effects look good. The Mm -hmm. miniatures look so good that... Uh, during the scene where they were crossing the bridge um, during the the big flood, uh, I was I was constantly going back and forth on like is are those miniatures are those not I could I was just like I get and I was delighted by the fact that I couldn't tell and that was the best part of it. Yeah, it it reminds me a little bit of um, of the Dark Knight because the the scenes in the dark night where the the batmobile is going on uh chasing the joker underneath the city the mm-hmm. that little tunnel scene like that's all miniature stuff underneath there mm-hmm. and it looks so seamless and good yeah it was a it was a, a nice looking flick it was just tight all around like it really it i'm a little i'm a little hesitant to to try to note notes this one cuz it's just like there's not a lot of fat on it. Uh, it it shows up, does what it's supposed to do. It's sort of the same thing I said about the Scorpion King. Like, um, it's just like it's, it's a tight movie. Like it doesn't it doesn't get fancy. Does what it sets out to do and achieves it and leaves with you know its dignity intact. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, the cast is pretty solid too. Like this was this was James Bond, Pierce Brosnan, Linda Hamilton is not exactly an unknown like she's she's hot off of terminator and like they have some decent chemistry on screen together and they're they carry the movie on their shoulders they're the two leads and they do a very admirable job of it because they're both likable characters they both play off each other nice and they both do what they need to do in this movie and and it's pretty good yeah, the banter was charming. We were talking about that in the watch party. The like the 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 back and forth between the characters that just sort of humanizes them, but adds a little world building that is often pretty arduous in these kind of movies. Because like, really, because Harry needs this, to discuss the the volcano science. Yeah, um, it was it was yeah the the like back and forth when they're in the car with the kids and like the 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 
geological team in their office. Like it was, yeah, it was great. Now you bring up the kids and that's actually a great thing to mention because it's, that is a very hard tightrope to walk is having kids who are prevalent in the movie and who aren't annoying. And Dante's peak pulls it off. The two kids are charming. They're likable. They are not annoying. And, uh, they, they successfully add stakes without feeling like they're ever a load. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And yeah. and mm-hmm. they and they provide someone else for Harry to explain the volcano science to, so that we, the dumb audience who don't understand volcanoes, can learn more about volcanoes. So, like, they work. <laughs> they work as well as the kids in Jurassic Park work, and that's again, that's a tough tightrope to walk. And they provide uh, some extra tension for the movie's best scene, which I feel is is yes. the acid lake scene. That, oh, that was a that that was a very intense scene that has um, a, a a lot of a lot of good little elements to it. Um, you know, with the uh, the slow realization that they're you know they're on an acid bo- uh, acid lake and and the acid is eating through the boat. Um, I uh, love I love that the that scene is a is textbook an example of how you escalate the stakes in a situation because they yeah. are they are fleeing they are fleeing molten lava and the only place to flee is into the lake so they get on the boat and they go into the lake and then why are the fish dead oh because the lake has turned to acid and we need to cross the lake in a boat that is melting okay well no problem we have an engine it's getting us across the lake fast oh the engine has been destroyed by the acid so now we're stranded okay now we have to row and the rowing is not getting us across fast enough and the boat is sinking faster and it's it just like it constantly escalates the stakes in a way that increases the tension really well and it's just really solid script writing mm-hmm. yeah and it has and it has a, con- kill, a killer conclusion to that the cherry uh, on top cherry, <laughs> with the with the grandma making a sacrifice and jumping out of the boat <laughs> and pushing the boat to the dock is just you know it, yeah wonder wonderful wonderfully crafted scene i thought yeah and uh harry and uh and Rachel both starting to sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat to calm the kids down because they're trying to keep everybody from panicking. And it's just, oh, it's so good. It is it is a great centerpiece to this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, that's the one thing I like, uh, I, I, I find interesting about um, disaster movies is, is how they bring, you know, that the disaster is such a big thing. You know, you think about like Roland Emmerich movies where, you know, it's like it's you know, thousands of people dealing with like aliens, you know, destroying monuments on this grand scale and stuff like that. But like bringing the tension down to a very personal level, I think is I, I think how screenwriters do that is very interesting to me. There's how they how they find how they, f- they find the the challenges for the characters to face in amongst this overwhelming disaster this movie has a lot of dino dna in it and i mentioned Mm. this during our watch party and what i mean by that is that there's a little jurassic park in this movie and it's not just in the fact that you've got the scientist and two kids out in the field it's not just that you've got like uh some callbacks to jurassic park like they're running away from a pyroclastic cloud and harry sees it catching up with them in the rearview mirror stuff like that Um, Like, just deliberate tips of the hatch of Jurassic Park. But, I mean, Jurassic Park has a similar kind of structure where it's this big event 
uh, this this like big monster disaster, but it's really boiled down to some personal stories that are taking place. And this movie works kind of the same. You've got Harry and Rachel and the kids out in the field, up on the mountain, and you've got the volcanologist team who are trying to get out of the town. And it really is just those two groups, and we're focused on them while the disaster is happening around them. And it makes it relatable, and it keeps it human in a way that's really good. And Jurassic Park does kind of the same thing by having us with Grant and having us with the team back at the headquarters and just kind of going back and forth between the two. So maybe that's just what people need to do in disaster movies is they need to take their take their cues from Jurassic Park. <laughs> now, Scott, I, I don't mean to, to point out a faux pas, but I know you, you said dino DNA, but I, I think what you meant to say was dino DNA. Oh, yep. <laughs> Uh, you can disregard my entire previous sentence because of that. <laughs> That's my bad. That's on me. Well, we've we've really sung the the praise of this quite a bit. Was there any like like I said? There's not a lot of a lot of fat on this, but is there anything you'd uh, you'd really want to see cut? Um, like, like any anything that you're just like this can go. You know, honestly, the <clears throat> scene like the cold open scene where you see Harry in a different volcano situation and his girlfriend gets brained by molten lava uh, yeah. was unnecessary. I think that it doesn't really add anything to the movie. We can learn about Harry's backstory without having to see it. Um, I don't I think you could have used that time for something else. And it's like, honestly, if that's the one thing I can think of where I'm like, yeah, you could probably get rid of that. Then the movies, as you say pretty lean and pretty pretty good to begin with i still think uh, if they're gonna have you try because it doesn't really add anything that that opening scene where he's in a different volcano disaster that he gets out of um like it doesn't it doesn't foreshadow yeah, it's, it's, or it's, it's far it's far too similar right um, that's like, why i think it yeah it should be a, a typhoon like he, he survives a typhoon uh, gets out of the you know Pacific and makes his way to. <laughs> well, he's like he's Idaho. <laughs> he's an ocean. He's an oceanographer before yeah. that, and he's like nuts to this. I'm into rocks now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think like it was even kind of confusing because uh, Greg, you mentioned off the top, you didn't know what was going on. You th you were wondering if this was like the last time that Dante's Peak had erupted, and then it slowly becomes clear. No, we're somewhere else entirely, and. Yeah, I just I don't feel that scene really adds anything to the movie. I think you if you were going to cut anything, I think you could cut that and you wouldn't be missing anything. Yeah, you can have a, a dead, you know, lover in a million different ways. It doesn't need to also be volcano. I guess I think it's possible to keep it, um, but and there's maybe there's, maybe it's possible to keep it at while also adding some elements for to increase the um, Pierce Brosnan's arc. Um, but we'll we'll wait for the second half on that. As far as like. Cuts. I don't know. Yeah, I think I don't. I don't know if I really have any. I, I like you said, Liam. It's a pretty tight flick. Um, I'm not really. There's there's no there's no particular scene that um, that I felt really lifted out easily. Or, yeah, it's more mas massaging. You know, little little less time here, a little more time there. You know, a little yeah. more from this guy, a little less from this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Highly possible. I guess that we want to. We got. Yeah, we gotta get let's to those get to changes. it. Yeah, let's say we uh, we get right into it. The 
This episode has been brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund for yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by the Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on five topics. Women, sexual orientation and gender identity in Edmonton, visible minority women, and senior women. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. We're talking about Dante's Peak, the one where the volcano goes... And then everyone runs away. Uh, any any fixes for this, uh, Scott, Greg? Uh, sure. Where would, you, where would you start on the fixing? Go ahead, Scott. Three, three oh, I, I think if I was to make a change to this movie, I would make the first part of this movie into Parks and Rec. Bear with me. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it would be interesting if the movie turned from being this little uh, movie about like the the pettiness and banality and insanity of small town politics into a violent disaster movie where uh, you've got like uh, a well-meaning mayor who can't get anything done because city council is just dead set against her and is trying to make it so that she can't get reelected. You've got like a reactionary city council who doesn't want to hear that their town might be in danger because it would, you know, upset their little fiefdoms and it would prevent them from making money. You've got uh, an uninformed, uh, populace who don't really understand what's going on or don't want to understand what's going on or are more concerned about the fact that they've been living easy for a while and the idea that something terrible might be happening is pretty bad. And in the middle of all of this, you have this group of volcanologists show up who are like, no, there's a very real danger, but they're running up against just hilarious idiots who are who are, are stonewalling them. Are you this as a, as a comedy or just as like the, the sort of more lighthearted premise like you... you well, I, I liken it to Parks and Rec because Parks and Rec is a little more lighthearted and is a comedy. And I think it would be interesting if you had Parks and Rec and then halfway through a volcano erupted. And you had like <laughs> Leslie Nope and Ron Swanson and Pierce Brosnan, volcano expert, trying to save people. I think that would be an interesting movie. And so that's basically my pitch for the change to the beginning of this movie is you make it a little more lighthearted and a little more funny. And then you have a disaster happen and you have these idiots that you've just got to meet have to deal with it. Interesting. That's I, my pitch. I, That's my pitch for I, a change. I like it. I, I guess what I want, I don't know how to, how to ask this from you. Like it's sort of what I asked. There's like a slider in my brain of like how absurd of a comedy, I guess. And I, maybe you and I differ on how absurd Parks and Rec is. Um, but I'm like, I'm just wondering like, I can I can see comedy. I see what you're going like lighter, uh, a little like we and 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 to highlight the banality, like to high, using comedy to highlight how um, petty uh, their problems are. Well, um, and but and, like at a certain point, it like sitcom comedy gets very silly that I don't think would run up against lava the way you think it does. Well, no, that, I, I, don't I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I think I think maybe it can because um, mm-hmm. uh, in in Scott's. Uh, a vision of, of admittedly a much different movie of, um, of Dante's if, Parks and Rec. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could I could see the the comedy kind of coming from the the characters um, constantly being unaware or or almost ignoring the danger. So, up until the, the, up until it's like too the, late the, and that, the danger is happening. Like, oh, even I think even amidst in, in the midst of it, like <laughs> like in the midst of this disaster, like they they're still. They're still squabbling about things that you know uh, about the you know their their petty jobs and things like that. That just don't they, you know they're obviously not important at this point in time, but they continue to do so. Because right? we, it's them trying to win the award for like it's not her receiving the award for one of the best small towns under twenty thousand people. It's them like this is our. She's looking right at the camera like this is our campaign for the best. <laughs> Yeah, no, and that's, like, that's legit. Like, what if that was the stakes for the town? They're trying to win this award, and they're myopically focused on it to the point where they're willing to ignore the fact that there's a volcano about to erupt next door. I think that's, I think that's interesting, and I think that there's Absolutely. elements of that here, because the movie does start quite light. It does have that element of small town, uh, like, the, the, the pettiness of small town politics, um, yeah. It has the people who are just like not don't want to hear that there's a danger because it would upset their little small town yeah. life. Um, and you've if, got I'm, the very serious scientists who are like, but, you know, you need to pay attention to this. And I think you just turn that up to 11 and it does change the movie quite a bit. I won't I won't deny that. Yeah. But I think it would make for a very different sort of disaster movie that we don't see very often. I, no, I'm loving it. And I, I think I found a way to articulate my my scale of how silly you can go. It's. I'm thinking because I, I I want this. Like I'm I'm with you on it. I just like <laughs> <laughs> like 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 the guy in the yellow suit who falls into the volcano. Like we can't go in too deep, or we're gonna we're gonna lose it. And I'd say it needs to be HBO funny, not NBC funny. Yeah, we. I don't think it needs like to a go silicon, to the point. more like Silicon Valley kind of like dr- like just across the plate. Like yes, this we all acknowledge this is a funny situation. Uh, I don't think you need to go to the point of parody like Airplane. But I think that you could go lighter and funnier, and then switch gears partway through because there's lava chasing people, and yeah, think, and it and it yeah. still makes for a good movie. The top of the scale, I don't think anyone was going there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's that's my pitch. Like I quite like Love Dante's it. Peak as it stands, but if we're gonna change it, my thinking is let's let's change it so that it changes gears partway through, and let's set up a comedy and then end with a violent disaster movie. Woo! <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, uh, I, in a way, Scott, I kind of uh, like. I think what Liam and I are suggesting is to is to continue the the comedic theme all the way through. And I think what you're suggesting is to is to. Oh, have no, no, a, I, ha- I like have the start a, have and a, stop of it. I just <laughs> <laughs> you you you're suggesting have a moment where just like shit hits the fan, and 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 suddenly we're just like in the in the soup and the and like. These formerly these formerly kind of comedic characters are now like maybe a little comedic, but now dealing it in this dr- in this dramatic situation. And and is, perhaps is still correct? hanging is on. on to am their, I interpreting that correctly, Scott? Well, I think he also wanted an uh, element of them hanging on to their petty you know petty yeah. desires a little longer than the dramatic characters. Yeah, no, I think there's something to be said about a volcano erupting and a bunch of like small town politicians still worrying about whether or not they're going to be able to win the, you know, best small town in America <laughs> under 20,000 people award. 
um, despite the fact that there's a pyroclastic cloud chasing them down at that moment. I think that there's still a lot of comedy that can be wrung from that. But mm-hmm. I think that at that point, they start listening to the volcano expert and stuff starts exploding and that like we do still shift gears. I, I still think there can be comedy in there, though. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would say that this jettisons the, the grandma acid scene. You guys look. I admitted during that I was busting a gut. Look, I admitted that this changes the movie pretty significantly. <laughs> okay, well, I, I guess when I, like all things being equal, like when it comes to like when it you know it's it's a movie that all three of us enjoyed, and and I suppose that at a certain point, you know, you're kind of like, well, ten out of ten. I guess I'll just like make the biggest change to it I could possibly think of. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I have some I have some more uh, subtle changes that I'd, I'd like to make. Um, my uh i a lot of dutch angles for i don't know that they added anything yeah um, uh, especially yes. early on they, it felt like, like there they was a stood lot. out like they yeah there was one scene where there was like dutch angles and then not dutch angles and like that was putting me off i was like why is why is this character not at an angle and these and characters it was in, like, are the city council scene right yeah, yeah i think so yeah yeah that was there yeah that changed that notes <laughs> Boo! <laughs> yeah, I I think that like the special effects all looked great, but like I I I think some of, some of the cinematography left me wanting. Um, I uh, can, like going back to the the introduction of the like the the, the cold open with mm-hmm. Pierce Brosnan and his his girlfriend getting a lava cake through the head. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that. I th- th- that scene has his girlfriend um, wanting to stick behind and gather all the readings, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of feel like it would be much more interesting if Pierce Brosnan was the one who wanted to stay behind and she was convincing him to leave. So that he feels and more responsible for her twist. death. Yeah, because that way, that way he is indirectly responsible for her death well and that also and, informs his decision to pull the ripcord on the evacuation so early and why the rest of the volcano yeah. team is like you're just you're jumpy man you're jumpy because yeah. you don't want it to happen again but mm-hmm. there's no danger here i think oh, yeah, i think what might he, be i think what might, alarm, mm, i think what might be interesting too is that is that the the piece of um his the piece of technology that he rescues from the Columbia uh, volcano is is that same NASA thing that they had. We can just switch that around so it's not a, a NASA GPS type thing, but it's it's some kind of volcano measuring d- device that, in some way, he could rig to you know signal uh, other people to get himself out of the eventual um, mine shaft that he's stuck in. Um, but if, if it's the same piece of technology, then at the, at the, at the end of this, at the climax of this movie, he's, he's faced with that same decision of going, going back to get that same piece of technology. Whereas, it, whereas like, that's what he's done before, had to do before. Right. So like, yeah. then he's, then you've got some weight about the decision that he's making or, or you could form the audience, you know, you can kind of trick the audience as well. Um, you can you can make it seem as though he's going back and he hasn't learned his lesson and he's just going to get the same piece of tech again. But it turns out he was doing it for a reason because he knew that he needed it to be able to signal to get uh, signal other people to get himself out of out of the jam. That's great. I think that could that's, work. 
that's way that I like that quite a bit more than my adjustment to the cold open, um, which that's great. Fuck it. I just let's sit in that for a second. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like that quite a bit. Um, uh, mine, mine a little less thought out, but there's a great payoff in this movie where the, the, the dog runs away and the dog straight up runs away. You're like, oh man, no more dog. Yeah, dog Dante's peak it. is going to John Wick that dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that, we, go, don't get ahead of me here. Um, oh. <laughs> uh, there's a payoff. It, the dog shows up again later. He makes it back to them like 20 minutes later. And it's a nice, like, I really liked it because it's a, amidst all the disaster, it's like a win. Like, it's a nice reprieve of like, oh, we got a, we got some good news. We got a success, a bonus. Um, back to just hammering these characters. Um, and so I was wondering if there was like, if in the beginning of it, we, we, cause the, a dog dying in a, any, anytime a dog dies in a movie, I don't think is John wicking it. I think it has to happen in the first like 15 minutes for the dog to die. <laughs> and so it's not the, the wife or the girlfriend that takes a lava domer in the beginning. It's a dog. And we have to actually see a dog die, and it's like, oh man, that dog. Died. So then later, when this other dog, you know, gets lost, maybe even for more dramatic reasons, um, my computer almost went to sleep. Um, uh, when we get the dog back, it's an even better payoff. Um, but that's, I like yours better. Okay, I like I the idea to me that you would have the, the, a dog at the beginning of the movie take a lava kick to the face. It's just hilarious to me. Like that, it, that would be intensely dark, as dark as it is already. Like it's a pretty. Well, it's funny because like the, his girlfriend dies. We're like, oh, that's sad. Dog goes. I'm like, oh man, it's really sad. So later, when the like when the dog is running away, you're actually concerned and not just like, oh, damn, the dog got away. Yeah. There's, and then even doubled down full of joy when it shows up again later. There's something to be said. Uh, <laughs> violence against other humans is pretty bad, but violence against specifically children and animals, and in in the sense of animals, I mean more domesticated animals, cats and dogs, is yeah. more horrific because there's an innocence associated with it. So yeah, yeah uh, killing the dog is like what bad guys do in movies because it makes them look particularly horrendous. And that's why volcanoes are the ultimate bad guy. (laughs) I laughed out loud when the volcano started to erupt in the movie and like the first shot outside of the school gym where everyone's panicking is like a church steeple toppling over. And I I literally laughed out loud and I was like, oh, the volcano is saying, where's your God now? Like that's, that's perfect. It's beautiful. No notes. (laughs) I think uh, I think pretty good. I've got a couple suggestions in there. Uh, I, I I feel like we were all a little concerned because we all, how much we kind of were having fun with it. Uh, that we we might not have much of a a second half. But as usual, we pulled it out. Yeah, there's lots lots there. Yeah, there's just it just worked. The movie just gets the job done, and you know, yeah, just not. Yeah. That's why my pitch for a change was to fundamentally oh. change the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> I want it all from the perspective of the robot. Basically, um, what what we've learned is that I'm about to sit down and write a script that is Parks and Rec meets Dante's Peak. Like that's <laughs> that's what's going to come out of this episode. I guess I'm glad they didn't make the like robot device talk. That would have been a really cheap laugh. They could they could have they could have had that device that walks down like ha- you know ha- communicate with them like this, and they didn't. And I salute them for that choice. It's last yeah. words just being like, oh no, as rocks fall on it. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> there is no God. <laughs> Harry, save me. Oh, <laughs> uh, we I I remember 
uh, while we were watching it, they mentioned the robot, and I think it was Aaron on the chat was like, oh, no, that robot's going to die, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we're like, Actually, yeah, poor doomed robot. that was me. That, yeah, like the... <laughs> It seemed it seemed clear as soon as they mentioned the robot. I was like, that thing's going in the volcano for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, perfect. Well, yeah, we seem to uh, a lot of times when we do this, we uh, we we discuss a lot, and I love going to the lister comments because it's often very validating to ha- have uh, what we said sort of often reflected back to our listeners. I think our, our listeners uh, very good taste, good insight in movies, <laughs> uh, and uh, often. Uh, it's, it's yeah more more than a few times I found what we said to sort of get reinforced by the listener comments. So let's say we crack into these listener comments, uh, get right into it. Uh, uh, Tony from Flix X Raid Podcast says this movie puts the ass in disaster with the casting of Pierce Brosnan. He has little to no chemistry with Linda Hamilton. Also, the pacing in the first half of this movie feels like an old car that you have to push to start to get going. Everyone should run from this shit volcano. Wow. Huh. Okay, uh, never mind then. <laughs> We uh, we apparently liked this movie a lot more than Tony did. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, he's he more seems of a tsunami to, guy, I think. Yeah, I think he problem, he yeah. hated everything we loved about this movie. It's <laughs> the weird thing. <laughs> uh, to the point where I'm actually wondering if he watched the movie Volcano and got it mixed up with this one. That's possible. yeah. I guess I mean it's a proof positive that uh, that movies are subjective. Yeah. Graydon Young says, I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid, and it gave me nightmares then. Still kind of holds up. I mean... Nightmares? Do the nightmares still hold up? What? (laughs) I mean, this... I mean, I I was kind of a kid when this movie came out, and... uh, Because I would have been in my, my, like, mid-teens. I remember seeing it in the theaters. I don't remember it giving me nightmares. Um, I do remember being afraid of Jurassic Park when I first saw it. That was was some terrifying stuff for young Scott to see in the movie theater. But... uh, yeah, Dante's Peak, the only thing that really got me, and it still got me this time, was uh, late in the movie, Pierce Brosnan gets hit with some rocks, and it breaks his arm, and it's real gross. And <laughs> I had not seen this movie in a while, and I like they were starting to build up to the moment where it happens, and I started having like flashbacks. And I was like, oh, no, because I had forgotten that, because I, I very distinctly remembered seeing the horrific broken arm. But I didn't remember what movie it was from until I saw the movie starting to set it up. And then it was like, oh, God, it's going to happen, isn't it? And sure enough, there's the broken bone. And I'm just like, blah, no. (laughs) Oh, God, why? Yeah, there there are two visuals that um, are kind of stomach turning almost immediately for me. And and one of those is like broken, exposed bone. And the other thing is like anything to do with the breaking of fingernails, right? (laughs) Mm, So, so gross. Uh, and See, this movie I, had I like one of them. I stuff. I stuff does it for me. So, um, yeah. No. And throat, throats are another one. I can't watch anyone get get um get take, take anything game. to the throat. Also, weirdly, was funny. Uh, I don't know if it's funny, but like fire is another one that I mean, obviously, you know, not comfortable for anyone. But like, really, the idea of like being burnt in any way really like gets under my skin. But again, the the grandma and the acid. Acid somehow is like kind of funny. Like. <laughs> fire terrifying like if that water was boiling i would have been very upset but because it was acid i'm like (laughs) (laughs) i guess maybe it's maybe it's because um you know you've probably been burnt by boiling water or something you know before i think it's a combination of i definitely have burned myself real but like how often have you come across acid uh, it's very cartoony danger by acid 
Yeah. <laughs> It's more of a it's, a it's more of a coyote roadrunner problem than an everyday yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Sweet. Um, well, that was all for our listener comments. Thank you, uh, Tony and Braden, for commenting. Uh, we encourage you all, if you're listening, to please uh, uh, comment uh, on our Facebook and Twitter uh, at I Have Some Notes. Uh, we love reading your comments uh, on the show, and it really kind of helps fuel some of our conversation. So, thank you. So that was uh, Dante's Peak. Uh, that was delightful. What a what a great run of uh, weekly episodes. We really covered the gamut. Yeah, some great movies that were a delight to watch. Some just absolute dreck that we had to drag ourselves through, kicking and screaming. Uh, but I you think, know, I, I think feel on like the second half of it, we we gave ourselves uh, a much easier time. I think we yeah. got sick of of being punished <laughs> through the first yeah. half. <laughs> I mean, hard enough living in twenty twenty. Yeah, to be and fair, then you got Ready Player One to the mix. <laughs> to be fair, with Dante's peak, I think we were expecting to end on a down note, and we were all very pleasantly surprised by this one actually holding up pretty well and and being kind of a delight to watch. So cool. Well, and I, I yeah, I look forward to uh, more more episodes on a bi-weekly basis you can follow us on twitter and facebook at i have some notes you can find our podcast feed at i have some notes.com if you like the show please consider rating and reviewing us on itunes it really helps us out yeah you can also find our episodes on the ckua radio app you can download it right now from the apple app store and do remember to check out all of our sibling shows over at the alberta podcast network powered by atb you can check them out right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com and as we've mentioned a couple times, we're uh, posting uh, episodes every second week. So tune in two weeks from now for the veritable Tron Legacy. Oh, I got very I got excited when you said Tron, and then sad when you said Legacy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I might have to watch Tron Classic between uh, between now and then. Yeah, I think I will try to uh, re-up myself on Tron as well. It's uh, another in a long line of sequels that came out way too late to be fully relevant and which were way too different to really relate to the first movie. <laughs> yeah, I have I have some thoughts I remember on this uh, film when I throw my up, but uh, that's for next week, or uh, two weeks from now. Uh, thank you, everyone, very much. Uh, I've been your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching the skies! For Flying Lava Cakes... Hi, my name is Kyle. I'm Dave. And I'm The Machine. And we do a podcast called Kyle and Dave vs. The Machine. It's a podcast where a sentient machine is forcing us to watch movies in order to prevent it from initiating the apocalypse. Although, Dave, you and I tend to talk about the ideas of the movie rather than the movie itself. Well, it's the machine's fault, like everything, and then by effect your fault, Kyle, that you've invited me, and this is the only thing I like to talk about. I mean, I'm not going to face the apocalypse alone, so you seem like a good patsy to bring along with me. If you wanted somebody that was going to give you some hope, you picked the wrong person. Kyle and Dave vs. the Machine is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. New episodes are out every Friday. Every Friday.